Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast based here in the UK, featuring myself, Will Turland, um, this man to my left, Rick Emerson. Sorry, Rick, I nearly forgot your name. It's okay. <laughs> Hello. Um, this lady to my further left, Jen. Hi. Is it Jen House? Jen House. Yeah. Um, a, a man to my further left again, uh, Ian House. Hi. Um, a lady who is sort of d- opposite me, but. Yeah. Um, but not 100% to my right. <laughs> Jeremy Taylor. Hello. I told you, right? <laughs> uh, a, a man who is all, almost directly in front of me, um, Rob Chapman. Hello. And a man who's directly in front of me, Rick Palmer. Hello. I would love if listeners could draw us a seat and see how accurate this description is. It's really accurate. Don't we? we should have bridge references, I think. So, we have some special guests on our podcast tonight. Um, and the reason that, that we're doing this is because we've decided that we're going to tackle a film called Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And it's, a, it's an incredibly popular Star Trek film, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's highly regarded. It's, all, it's always kind of up there in the, you know, the, top, the top three Star Trek movies. I can't think of a single person who wouldn't have it in their top three. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a top three. <laughs> Spoiler alert, there is somebody among us who would not <laughs> consider it to be in the top three. Um, but we've not, we've not, when we've looked at movies before, we've tackled the, probably the less popular movies, the ones that are a bit more divisive, I think because they're really interesting to talk about. We've never really found a way, like a good idea, to sort of go for, for The Wrath of Khan because we, because all of us just love it. Yeah, it would just be us adoring Wrath of Khan for an hour. Yeah. I and mean, when we've done that in podcasts before, we have just a, a gushed over an episode. Yeah, yes, because Enterprise might spring to mind. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but what we've done today is we've invited all of our uh, patrons over. And not all of them have come over, <laughs> but some of them <laughs> have. I'd say the majority have. Yes. And seeing as one is you, Will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Imagine I've if Will didn't turn up. I tried to get out of it. <laughs> it's at my house. So. Um, yeah, so welcome, uh, special guests. And uh, we've we've lit the scenario is we've literally just watched Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Director's cut. Director's cut. Yeah. Um, on Blu-ray. And then we've we've come straight in to do this podcast. So I have a question. Yeah. Um, I know of the term director's cut, and I know that mean usually means. Longer version of the original film, but what does director's cut mean? I guess specifically it means it's a it's a new cut of the film that the director's been specifically involved in. Because I know there's a there's a there's a there's a cut of Alien Three mm. which David Fincher didn't get involved in because he because he hates everything about Alien Three and it's not called the director's cut. It's called something like a construction okay. cut. So I think for a director's cut, the director has to have at least had approval over the final edit. Um, but yeah, how 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 different is the director's cut 
Um, and this question is to you, Rick, because <laughs> I can't remember it. The last, I, I think I've only, I think most recently I've just been watching the director's cut. The, um, I mean, the main differences are early on when Kirk has boarded the Enterprise and begins his inspection tour in engineering, we get um, a lot more dialogue from Peter Preston, who uh, suggests that Kirk is as blind as a Tiberian bat for not recognising how great the engine room is, which is a really good moment. But normally that, that bit's cut out, uh, and that includes the bit where Scotty elaborates that uh, Preston is his nephew. Uh, following that, I think we get a little bit more when um, when when Peter Preston dies in sick bay. We get a bit more from Scotty there. That's extended out a little bit. And one I think I noticed was a bit later when they're trying to go to Khan into the nebula behind them. Um, I can't specifically. Oh, it's the bit where Spock um, says to Sarvik, "Remind me to tell you about the human concept of ego." Um, oh, right. So those are the main bits I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, I tend to watch the director's cut for reference now, so I kind of start to forget which bits are new. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah one, one question I have for the group is what what's everyone's relationship with Wrath of Khan like? Um, like, meaning, you know, it's, it's my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't. Because for me, Wrath of Khan is a, it's a film I find really difficult to look at objectively because mm. it's a, I have, re I have real nostalgic feelings for Wrath of Khan, it's maybe, I think it's, I think it's the first Star Trek film that I saw and mm. it's one that stayed with me since I was a kid and I've watched it so many times. I can't, I can't sort of take a step back from it and look at it, it critically, it's like, it's, it's, it's a film that's really close to my, my heart in that respect. Um, but I, I don't know if whether that's that's because of my age. I was like, you know, it's the perfect time to to get into Wrath of Khan. But what, yeah, what's everyone else's his relationship like with this movie? How do you how do you feel about it? I mean, it's one of those films I can watch again and again. Um, mm. I mean, when I first watched it, I remember being scared by it because it had that scene with the with the the ear slugs. <laughs> Allow me to introduce you to SETI Alpha 5's only remaining indigenous life form. What do you think? They killed 20 of my people, including my beloved wife. And, um, and now I'm okay with that scene, just about. Still, I still don't like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, pretty much what you were saying, really. Um, this is a film I really love. I, th I think it, I think it ages pretty well. I think it's, and it's. Um, I think the more you watch it, you, the more you perhaps. Yeah, I, I like the performances in it as well. I, I think that the more I watch it, perhaps that's where I can appreciate it more. Is you'll always notice something perhaps that you might not have noticed the last time you watched it, and you can, there's always something in there to enjoy that you might not have enjoyed the last time around. It's one of those films that I keep watching and I've watched so many times now it's very difficult to remember when I actually first watched it. But it's, we watch it pretty much every Christmas Eve so it's kind of got a bit of nostalgia there for us. How long have you been doing that for? Um, good few years probably. It's at least, it's at least, least two years. It's if more not, than that, definitely more than that. We've I think First Contact on Christmas Day has been going a lot longer than Wrath of Khan on Christmas Eve. 
Why, why Wrath of Khan on Christmas Eve? Why? What made what made you go for for that? I really don't know. It's just one of those things we started doing. I don't know why we started I, I, doing it. I mean, to be honest, as we most people here like Wrath of Khan, I want to flip the question round to you, Will, and say, why not? <laughs> I can think of no reason why not to do that. <laughs> it's the perfect Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> now, how, how about you, Gemma? Ah. Um. Yeah, no, I think I think it's an emotional thing. I think I yeah, I don't think it's a film that you can that it's easy to critique on a on an intellectual level because it's 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 just embedded in the Star Trek um psyche. psyche. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it's, I it's, agree with it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much so that it's they, more they of a kind of, it uh, yeah, exactly, it literally, yeah, just tries to do it again, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fully kind of embedded in the Star Trek myth, and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say anything negative about it. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would, you know, who, who would? <laughs> Balance to the discussion. It's not that I don't like <laughs> <laughs> the Wrath of Khan. I think out of all the Star Trek films, it's along with the motion picture, it's the one I've watched the least. So maybe that has a part to play in the fact that it doesn't rank as highly for me. Um, yeah, there were just other films that I, that I rank more highly and I enjoy more than that I've watched more. But I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Just not as much as most Star Trek fans, probably. Is, is it one that you watch when you were younger, or is it... Um, I don't know, does it sort of depend how you get into Star Trek? Because I guess Wrath of Khan was a bit of a starting point for me in, in Trek. It was certainly something I came across early on, I think. Yeah, I think the, the TOS movies, I think I probably watched later in life. Like I probably started with the TNG ones, so yeah. they probably hold more um, more nostalgia for me than the TOS ones. So yeah. maybe that has a part to play in why I'm not as fond of Wrath of Khan. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> there are no wrong answers. Except that one. Yeah, except that one answer, which is definitely wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, in, in um, Wrath of Khan, we open with a with the, the famous Kobayashi Maru test um, which is great and that, that's sort of a big part of Star Trek lore it's sort of the it's a test as to what what you would do in a in a no-win scenario basically um, but all of the so all of the main characters in the in in the movie are sort of introduced in this scene aren't they mm. and you do find yourself wondering how much time have they got on their hands to be doing some amateur dramatics um, for the for the for the purpose of um, you know for training up? Because those space the explosions look pretty real, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, <laughs> dangerously real. It's not a holodeck, is it? Because um, no. they don't have holodecks at that point, so it's yeah, it's it's, it's quite horrifically real. <laughs> so it does ask the question: What was McCoy doing on the bridge? Yeah. He's always he, on the bridge. Yeah. But he should be in sick bay because they're going to be bringing on injured people. Yeah, 
Well, that later on in the film, there's, there's a great moment where, where Scotty brings up an injured person <laughs> to the bridge. So maybe McCoy <laughs> was anticipating that. Maybe Scotty has like a habit of doing that. <laughs> so McCoy has to be on the bridge. Or maybe Scotty, Scotty brought some up because, because oh, McCoy's always on the bloody the bridge. bridge. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's the chicken and the egg. <laughs> scenario. Yeah, but um, I, I, I think they've all reached the point in their in their career where they can just do whatever the hell they like, and mm. we all just want to get together and uh, mess about in the Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru yeah um, training section. That's true. I think there's there's a sense of fun about that opening. Like they're all they're all kind of messing around a bit, aren't they? <laughs> and, and sort of overacting <laughs> and being killed and critiquing each other's deaths and stuff. <laughs> Position, heal thyself. Is that all you gotta say? What about my performance? I'm not a drama critic. There's no overacting in Star Trek too. You course you're right, Rick. Um, yeah, and then we sort of move on to the um, to the oh, then, then we get a scene where uh, where Kirk gets his glasses, <clears> doesn't <throat> it? And then we sort of introduce one of the themes of the film, which is Kirk kind of accepting that he's getting older. And, and kind of, kind of starts. I mean, it's it's a bit of a morose um, <laughs> introduction in a way. It's like here's here's a this is going to be a great fun Star Trek movie. His apartment characters bit, um, they're already old and they're thinking about dying. His, his apartment is quite eccentrically decorated. Yeah, he's got he's a got suit. A he's got there. like a breastplate from a suit of armor above his fireplace, and <laughs> guns on the wall, and oh, and you know he's got lots of like you were saying, Will. He's got lots of sort of. Military and, and knickknacks and stuff. Yeah, it is cluttered, isn't it? It is, but it doesn't strike me as a man who put down roots. So I think he's just got his apartment and he's gone to the knickknack shop <laughs> and he's bought himself a job lot of knickknacks. <laughs> yeah. He's put them all up around the military, that suits his style fine, whatever is decorated and he's set. So I think that's what he did. Yeah. He's got his pistols <laughs> and his, yeah. Though we did notice some interesting wardrobe choices, which I think, because of the size of the screen we were looking at, made it more noticeable, shall we say. Yeah, that's right. So McCoy is wearing, I guess they're sort of like, kind of space space chaps. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, I, I haven't really focused on that wardrobe choice before, but we... we we were quite distracted by yeah. that. Probably a good half an hour. <laughs> That's the key thing that we hooked <coughs> up. Yeah. yeah, from a distance, it might look that he's wearing some sort of skimpy costume because it's beige, isn't it? A lot yes. of it's beige, yeah, and from a distance, you might think it's McCoy sort of wearing some sort of sort of body kinky suck. kinky body suck <laughs> he's like no he's beige oh thank god thank god it's, it's beige it's not his nude body <laughs> but, but hey you know like you were saying about Kirk's choice it's his choice isn't exactly. it? if he wanted yeah. to wear that then fine but, but yeah, it wasn't <laughs> yeah what did you think of that Rob <laughs> <laughs> what McCoy's uh, attire specifically <laughs> yes yeah. um, did, did that sort of bring you did that push the film out of your top Really <laughs> no, needless to say, <laughs> more of a comedy element, I think. And we saw the um, maroon uniforms for first time. <coughs> they're, yeah. they're really cool. And I'd forgotten that they were introduced in. Yeah, I had actually. Yeah. Actually, yeah. they're they're consistent throughout the movies, aren't they? Yeah. 
persistent well, throughout track because we see them in throughout uh, TNG as well. Mm. So. They're really formal, aren't they? I find they're very. Mm. They've got like a bib and everything. Yeah. It's, I, it, yeah. But it's a it's a good. Look. I like that look. Yeah. I think it's. I'd, I'd, I quite fancy one of these uniforms for, for cosplay. I've got to admit, I always had a hankering for one of those, those marine uniforms. And they, had they, those, they had those cool jackets when they went on the um, cotton stations called Leather Genesis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many pockets yeah. in these jackets. <laughs> it was just really practical. Unlike the sort of the onesies that they have in, in TNG, and they have someone yeah. to dress them when they come back. Someone yeah. came in and took their jacket off and gave them their normal clothes back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it was that. It's that. It's just tailored. You'd think, given the state Enterprise was in, having been really bashed about, those people would have repairs to focus on. Mm. But no, they can spare three or four crewmen to go in and redress the waiting. <laughs> Maybe that's the only thing those crewmen could do. They're just because yeah. they're the jackets apart. <laughs> like, not they wouldn't even do trousers. <laughs> I wonder how your your interview for Starfleet must have actually gone. Where the only role we could prepare to offer you on a starship is giving the away team their jackets back. <laughs> I'll take it. And you'd be like, oh, I really would prefer to give the away team their shoes. But no, jackets only. You're not qualified for shoes. The existence of such position does give me hope, though, that I could still imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, on the, on, in TNG there's a barber, isn't there? Mm. He he does he does Captain Picard's hair, which is supposed to be the easiest easiest job ever. <laughs> What's he going to do? Like there you go. Well, McGregor always used to say he had to pay extra to his barber because for half of it was to actually find his hair. So <laughs> so it could be that that's building up his skills that way. Um, and then we're so we're introduced to the to the villain of the piece um, quite shortly after that. Khan. Mm. Uh, Saying. Yes, but it's a great. There's a great um, sequence up to that reveal, isn't there? There's a yes. With the yeah. we see the USS Reliant, with um, Chekhov and Captain Tyrrell. Yeah, mm. yeah, and they beam down to what they think is Seti Alpha six. Six. Seti Alpha five. Because they can't count. It does yeah. worry yeah. me that all yeah. that sophisticated sensor technology—they didn't notice one of the planets was missing. Yeah, where's the but, massive debris but field? Did you, yeah. did you notice yeah. all the all the people on that ship seem to be just really bored <laughs> and old <laughs> and like? <laughs> Well, then, and when they're calling down to the captain... Where are just, you? Uh, where are you? <laughs> where are you? Oh. Starship Reliant to Captain Terrell. This is Commander Kyle. Will you please respond, Captain? Let's give them a little more time. I always used to think, good on Chekhov. He's got, he's got out, he's got himself a first officer position on a new ship. And then later on, I think, yeah, this is the ship where everyone is fed up. Boring <laughs> missions. Obviously, Chekhov upset some admiral and he's being punished. Um, what does everyone make of the, of the introduction of... Uh, and the and also I guess it's it's a really long scene, isn't it? Mm. Where we we're introduced to the most horrific element of the film, which is those those horrible earworms. I suppose so at the time as well. I mean, I guess people watching it, I guess people at that time they might not have known that it's called the Rafikan, so they would have known it's Khan, right? But that reveal, yeah. the, that reveal of the Botany Bay would was it's still pretty cool. And if you'd watched Space Seed, 
you could have had that moment where you go, oh, of course. Even though, yeah. even though the film is called Rafa Khan, it's Khan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the ship he was on. It's an interesting choice, actually, that they that they, they went right in with a spoiler there in the in the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do they do get it's a reveal because yeah. he he's um he, you know his face is all wrapped up because it's really it's a dust arm on the mm-hmm. planet. He takes so a sparkly um, scarf off. Yes. Yes. Sparkly yeah. off. He leaves <laughs> one sparkly glove on, yeah, a bit like uh, uh, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> he still has time to be fabulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a dramatic reveal, and there, and there he is, and I think it's... Sorry, sorry, look, just going back to the, the inadvertent spoiler of the title, the film was originally going to be called The Undiscovered Country, oh. right. but it was Paramount executives who um, overrode that and wanted to rename it The Vengeance of Khan, which was then overridden by George Lucas, who was at the time planning just to make... Just turned up. <laughs> he literally objected, um, because he was, he was he making Revenge of the Jedi. Right. Mm. Even though Revenge of the Jedi was retitled, um, because he had close ties with Paramount through Indiana Jones at the time, mm. so they did what he said. And so well, Indiana Jones is probably making us more money than Star Trek at that point because they weren't sure how it's going to go. Well, then to be fair, the next movie is called The Search for Spock. So, I mean, that's a bit yeah. of a spoiler, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, it's fairly clear what they're up to in that one. <laughs> But in this, at least Star Trek 4 wasn't called We Found Spot. Yeah, we go, we go back in time to the 80s <laughs> and, look and find ways. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the final frontier, well, no one knows what they're up to in that one. No, no. Ha- yeah, Even after you. watching it, we're still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, Carl is played by Ricardo Montalban. And uh, like, it's fair to say... I, I think I think there's only there's only one person in all of Star Trek that can match Shatner's overacting, <laughs> and it's and it's Ricardo Montalban in this movie. Like he he overacts so hard, he makes Shatner look like um, I don't know, like in a Ken Loach movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't get away from Hell's heart. I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. But he's, but he's also great. Like there's something, <clears throat> there's something that's so sort of pantomime about him. Um, and again, I don't know. I don't know if that's just because I can't look at this film sort of objectively anymore. But like pretty much every line and every every single scene that you see, Carl, it's just amazing. I just love it. I either find it hilarious or, or brilliant, and sometimes both at the same time. The, the, other, the other night I was reading, um, not in not, not preparation just for my enjoyment, um, Nick Meyer's um, book about, called A View from the Bridge, where he chronicles his general career in the movies, specifically focusing on his Star Trek time, so two and six. And he talks about how this was pretty much his second director, um, film he directed, and faced with essentially a legend like Ricardo Montalban, when they filmed that that, that, uh, that first scene, uh, Montalban yelled the entire scene in, in you know, really intensely. He just shouted and ranted through it, and he's like, and the, and May was describing how he was kind of intimidated and not really sure how to how to approach this. So he asked to talk to uh, Montalban about interpretation, and they went to his trailer. And he said, uh, it was once said by a famous actor um, that you should never show them your peak because then you've got nowhere else to go. 
and apparently Montalban like was like suddenly he goes oh I get it you're trying to you're going to direct me and he hadn't been directed by a natural director because they all feared him <laughs> none, none of them wanted to tell Ricardo Montalban his job essentially <laughs> but Nick Mayer did and so then that's it's kind of interesting that you say he overacted to the full extent because actually this that was him reined in yeah that was him yeah. not showing his peak that's interesting because I I said that um um, that again, the director managed to get a sort of subtle, a subtler performance from from William Shatner than than some mm. directors get by doing so many takes that Shatner would just get tired yeah. <laughs> and that he wouldn't have the energy to direct anymore. May literally says in his book, when Shatner got tired, he got good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good book. They're totally worth a read. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder how much that cost them because obviously. The film back then was going to be more expensive than it is now for shooting digital. So, mm. I wonder how much that added to the budget mm. to just get enough takes so that Shatner's tired. Yeah, yeah. how long does it take to wear Shatner out? <laughs> <laughs> A while, like that sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, but it does it does result in like it's it's two two great performances in, in the movie. If, mm. if not, you know, there 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 is some overacting in there. I'd love to see what the original takes were like, where 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 they decided no, that's a bit over the top. <laughs> How they settle on these sort of subtler takes. Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. Still, old friend. You've managed to kill just about everyone else, but like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great stuff. Um, and we're introduced to the, the concept of the Genesis device, um, which is a um, just a device that that can that can bring life to, to dead worlds effectively. Mm. Isn't it? It's like a terraforming yeah. device, um, uh, and we, we we see a kind of a CG effect that the that they're so proud of that they use it in in pretty much every movie since then. Yeah. Find a way to crowbar that effect shot in. Don't they even manage to wedge it into Shades of Grey in Riker's flashbacks or something? Ah, oh, I, <laughs> I might have imagined that. If they haven't done that, then they'd put it in that Voyager episode, Unity, where Chicote experiences a Borg collective briefly. I'm sure they put it in either one of those, I can't remember which. I was thinking of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all oh, right? I remember that. Yeah, I don't think, think they can. I don't think that's a. That. How do you. How, yeah. How would you do that in the, in that context? Mr. Gray was a Star Trek fan. Get you your knowledge, you with your knowledge of Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know that. Whatever. I'm going to check your Netflix. Uh oh. Even though you can't see it because it's a podcast, Will is looking concerned. Can you delete Netflix history? Apparently you can delete the profile and then recreate it, which makes it seem like that they haven't been there before, but then you'd lose your recommendations. How do you do that? <laughs> um, because Will asked me earlier. <laughs> I'd, I'd easily be sus, because if we didn't have a shitload of Star Trek in the first few columns, my wife would know I'd refresh it. Yeah, and we get a there's a there's a pretty cool um, kind of space battle. Uh, the the initial kind of um, battle between Khan and Kirk 
Think you may have slightly downplayed that. Yeah, that's a pretty cool kind of space battle. Incredibly awesome. It is incredibly awesome. Because yeah, Khan, basically, um, the people on the Genesis, there's a space station above this moon, isn't there? Where yeah. Carol Marcus is and her son. And they think, well, um, and Brain Slug, Brain Slug um, Chekhov uh, tells them that the, the Genesis device is going to be commandeered. And then they get all, the scientists get all upset and contact. Kirk, and, mm. and that yeah. sort of sets in motion the chain of events that lead to to the battle. Yeah, and it's fair to say, like the, the film, the film's got a fairly leisurely pace. I think yes. it, it does take quite a while to get to that mm. point, which I I don't think is a problem because I think everything about it is brilliant. <laughs> but I think um, that's maybe some way in which it's 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 aged mm. a little. And though it's 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 faster paced than say the motion picture. Mm. But it does take its it time. Did, yeah, it surprised it? me. My memory it didn't. It it was it was faster paced. It was more action heavy, and it just isn't no. in reality. I think, that's I think the slow pace doesn't bother me because all of it is good mm. stuff. Oh yeah. None of it's filler. None of it's dragged. No. It's all there and it's all got a purpose. So. We were watching yeah. the director's cut as well, so there was extra stuff mm. in it. That's true. Yeah. But it was interesting how Savak said uh, before they're going in, we can't get communications, we should raise the shields. And Kirk goes, nah, don't need to worry about that. Yeah. And then two minutes later, should have really listened. Yeah. Spock even rebukes her for suggesting that to Kirk. It's like, no, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> People There's died because he didn't raise the shields. Yeah. There's a nice moment where, where Kirk acknowledges that. Yeah. Because yeah. he says to her, keep... keep Quoting yeah. regulations. Mr. Savick, you go right on quoting regulations. Yeah, not that it's going to help. Because <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to this time. I'll yeah. ignore you again. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the Kirk. I know best, even when I don't. But they do, I mean, they. they I think she's an interesting character because um, they, they kind of. They sort of underestimate her a little bit. Mm. They, they always, they're always sort of making fun of her at first because mm. she's a. Uh, like she, you know, she's brand new and she's really enthusiastic, and they're they're like the old, you know, if you if you work in some kind of business, they're like the old the old guys who've been there for a long time, and they're like, oh, look at, look at this new guy who started, he's got enthusiasm. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let let's let her let's let her pilot out the starship, um, which basically is just relaying commands. <laughs> Basically, it's telling Chekhov to pilot the No, it's Sulu. Uh, yeah, it's, you're right, it's Sulu. Um, that was a pretty glaring plot point. <laughs> <Whoops. there. laughs> yeah, he's on a completely different ship. Um, but, I do, but I do like that they, um, yeah, they, they, they kind of reassess uh, their, their mm. opinion of her, and she, she brings value to, mm. the, to the crew. And that's a nice little sort of subplot that they've got going on, I think. Yeah, and I think it comes up when she stands up to Kirk and says, uh, makes up the regulation about um, officers being accompanied by an armed escort, so she gets to join the away team. Mm. Although that shouldn't have to be a made-up regulation. That's a really flipping sensible <laughs> regulation <laughs> yeah. they should have. Yeah. Yeah. Much we did discuss it earlier in the day on just how. Yes, it would make boring TV, but really you shouldn't send all the senior officers down yeah. on these really tricky missions, which could end up with them all dying. Well, if Chekhov and yeah. Terrell had been down to the security escort, it would have been a different film. 
Yeah, if, if yeah. that if that man that was going, where are you, Captain? Where Captain, are you? If he'd gone, he wouldn't have known who Botany Bay was, and Carl would have gone, I don't know you. <laughs> and I don't know you. Ah <laughs> 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 well, roll credits. To be fair, they are all they are all super soldiers, aren't they? So mm. the big problem is that Chekhov wasn't even on the ship first place. No, yeah. indeed. Mm. So, well, we don't. Know well, that. yes. He wasn't actively. He wasn't on the bridge. He's probably the person in the transport room giving people a coat. Yeah, yeah, he gave his jacket on a tobacco. He probably gave Khan the wrong coat, and that's why he remembers in particular. Well, Khan does have an impressive coat, and he doesn't want one of just these standard Starfleet ones. Probably gave him like a really like cover up thing. He's like, no, look at his pecs. He needs to be out. I will never forget your face. There is one thing I think in the film early on. In early on. Um, Kirk has his copy is it A Tale of Two Cities with him yes and then quite a, a bit further on in the film he's, he's got it again okay. <laughs> but I don't think he's kept that with him all the time he has his people randomly and he's nearly finished it and it yeah. looks now I don't know how long the book is and it might be quite big text but it, it looks quite a, we- a hefty novel so when did he have time to read it. I've got a copy of Lord of the Rings that looks about that size. It's just, it, I wonder if that was meant to have, I don't know, that, that's an unusual thing to include, I think. I, I'm just wondering if there was some sort of oh, re- reason. He has a quote at the end, doesn't he? Yeah, was it a gift? Gift from Spock, I think. Right, yeah. okay. It's his birthday, isn't it? And he gets the glasses from McCoy. Yeah. I think they coordinated. Spock's like, I think I'm going to get the book. And McCoy's like, I'm going to get the glasses so we can read the book. Because <laughs> he's allergic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, oh, yeah, Spock's like, he's allergic to eye medicine. <laughs> right, I'll get him some old... space contacts. <laughs> yeah, I'll get him some 400-year-old glasses in his prescription. <laughs> You better do that. This is a re- this is a great scene. <laughs> Why isn't this scene in the film? Yeah, that should have been in the. And then yeah, and then you know, has to go down to an antiques place, find those glasses, and give them to Kirk. Yeah, they could have even had a scene where Kirk was like, oh, "These gla- they're good. These glasses, but you know what? I don't think they're quite. I think the left lens isn't oh. quite right." And then he could have gone in for a test. Or when Khan, or when Khan appears on the screen, he could have gone. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me give him a. Yeah. <laughs> Rick has just done a very good impersonation of someone yeah, not being able to see with glasses. It's the medium of a podcast, isn't it, dude? Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the first half of the film needs more scenes. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> like the right place to bring them up. Should have gone to space, ain't it? He'd got two for one as well, and then when they broke at the end, you still have a spare thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, where, where were we in the story? Oh, yeah. So we've just had the space battle. And there's a really, like, there's a neat little trick where um, where Kirk reveals that you you can basically just check what the code for another ship is, and then you can remotely take down its shields. Yeah, which is, it, it does seem a, a little bit of a security issue yeah. that you can do that remotely. Maybe the Reliant has like a default password that they haven't changed. Maybe the password's like. Well, they did actually say in there. I hope. I hope Khan hasn't changed the code. So. Yeah. So. Underscores the importance of changing a default password. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that it was just password one two three. <laughs> <laughs> That's what most passwords. Are. 
So we now know Will's password. <laughs> At my work, I am I'm responsible for corporate-wide um, communications for our team, and because we deal with stuff like the security, um, things like passwords. So I might try and bring some Star Trek Rathacan prefix code into the most elaborate and <laughs> only like five people in, out of the 4,000 we have will actually understand that. That's my goal. Yeah, and then you, could take, work next you could take the shields down at your work. Yeah. And then you could destroy the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't do that because they, they still need to pay you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, don't, no, don't blow up payroll. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then the Enterprise is is done but then there's a really, what, who comes off worse in that battle do you think or is it's it pretty even yeah mm. so okay in uh, uh what's the other ship called reliant. reliant reliant is it still being crewed by the reliant crew no they're on seti alpha because there are not order. that many people um from left from Khan's group, are there? Mm. So, and they all seem to be clustered into the bridge. Yeah. So there's no one in the rest of the ship. So it's possible that ship is hit even worse. You don't just don't see any of the because there's no collateral damage because there ain't yeah. nobody there. And everyone's on the bridge, <laughs> like all crowded around in this sort of like a. Like as if they're ready to have their photograph taken. <laughs> yes, um, that was very much what it was like. But Reliant yeah. can can make a, be a hasty getaway, whereas it's not till after um, the sick bay scene where Enterprise even gets impulse back. Mm. So I'm sort of guessing from that there. Reliant, Reliant got the heck out of there before it got too bad a hit. Mm. And then I'm guessing the ships are fairly automated when everything's working fine mm. so if the reliance working fine it doesn't need as big an engineering team to get it back up mm. than what the enterprise does yeah. there, there are a hell of a lot of people in engineering in enterprise yeah. to start with but they're all inexperienced cadets i suppose aren't yeah, they? i suppose they're all on a training run yeah and you do need lots of people to unfortunately die for dramatic effects on how bad it's going and I suppose yeah. when when Khan's people do repairs they're all genetic supermen mm. so they're, both, they're super fast they're super strong and super intelligent they can probably fix things quicker and the Enterprise needs more people to roll under those those sort of blasters and then for the torpedo for the torpedo you need like tw 20 people just to yeah, get all so those grills grills up because yeah. otherwise if one person was to do it it's like well yeah, we can launch the torpedo, but I need a I need a five minute breather because I'm halfway down and I'm shattered. <laughs> yeah. it does seem like a design fault. This is how they try and maintain peace in the Federation. It's like oh, we could go into battle, but it means lifting the floor up. Yeah. I feel like it was maybe to it was maybe to give it more of a sense of being a like a like a war, like a, a warship maybe yeah, like, it was like it's the submarine navy. Yeah, yeah. I think it I think it looks cool. It's really dramatic. Yeah. I do just imagine someone down there getting a call from Kirk saying, we, we need to fire a torpedo. Oh, you're going to be kidding me. Get you, everyone, <laughs> get your, everyone get your floor lifting hooks. <laughs> uh, carrying all these jackets. Yeah, so then they, we, we get kind of a, then, so they beam over to the, um, the Enterprise crew beam over to the space station. Obviously, the, the command crew go because they're the most expendable. Um, and we get kind of like, we get some creepy horror scenes where, uh, Rob, you were quite creeped out. Where <laughs> yeah. <Rob's. laughs> there was a really like loud 
dramatic oh, effect. With, with, with the rat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a rat, wasn't there? Yeah. I was a bit star- I was a bit startled when they found the first hanging dead bug. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. Bit gruesome. Yeah, and again, this is, I guess this is another scene that they, they totally play for, for horror. It's like a, you know, they're going into a haunted house and, and finding things horrifically. And, uh, I, you know, it feels like that's have we purely got these doors so that we can freak people out with them walking through a door and something may or may not happen? Yeah, as opposed to just... Ooh, that is like a... When they're, when they're lowering the, the bodies <laughs> yeah. down, it's just in the main room. So why, why did they not notice those before when they were when they beamed down into the main room? Let's go shut the doors first. All of the doors. <laughs> All of the doors. And then they find... Um, after they lower the bodies down, they find Chekhov and Captain Terrell, Terrell yeah. in a box. Yeah, they're stuffed in like stuffed in a box. box. They're acting really crazy. Yes. But, but everyone's like, oh, well, they're just perfect. That's uh, that is crazy. And let's, yeah. and let's just leave them with a the phaser because this could make a really interesting story point later. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, have this phaser check. Let me just adjust that phaser to kill. You don't want to accidentally stun someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no one's like, I think there might be something a little bit off with these guys. Maybe let's let's at least disarm them. But no, they they, they don't do that. Um, yeah, and they beam over to the. They, well, they they beam over. They beam to a location where they don't know where it's going to get them. Mm. And they just go for it, don't they? Mm-hmm. And they end up on that, that asteroid, which is lucky. Um, and Khan gets the Genesis device. Um, Kirk meets his son. Kirk meets his son. Kirk gets really angry and says, "Come!" Come! In, in, oh, and uh, um, check off and turn on them in an unexpected mm. twist. Yeah, yeah. And the, the 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 captain who isn't a main character in Star Trek is is killed. Yeah, check off is okay. Yeah, because yeah. this can't explain the the little worms burrow into this wrap themselves around the cerebral cortex as they grow map follows madness and death except except it, for it, Chekhov it moving down to Chekhov so yeah yeah nothing there yeah can't <laughs> <laughs> really find an brain in there oh poor Chekhov <laughs> yeah that, that is oddly convenient in, in my in my head canon I guess the um, the, the sort of the, the reaction of the other worm being killed when the captain turned the face on himself. Maybe those worms are sort of connected mm. in, in telepathically, and that that sort of sets some alarm bells ringing, and that worms it. So it decided. So it so it got out here before this guy vaporizes. Yeah, and, and that went so well for the worm, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great, it was a great idea <laughs> to get out of the area. And then, yeah, be incinerated. But then Kirk was still able to spot it and shoot perfectly fine for that. Yeah. But can't read a book. That was long distance, though. Yeah. 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 Did miss a chance for it. I'm about working distance and what description you need, but I'm not. It was a chance for hilarious slapstick because they all should be running around trying to stamp on this thing. It's charging up the translators. And then Rob's rat could have come out and got it. Yeah, and then we get some exposition about. 
Genesis, we get some that's the things with Kirk and his son, and then we, we sort of get the reveal that um that uh, that Kirk and Spock were doing a little bit of a trick. Mm. When they when they'd been down they'd they'd said they were gonna be down there for, for however amount of time, but they, yeah. they were doing a bit of a bit of a little trick. Yeah, day, hours, days were hours and yeah, yeah. minutes were, were hours. Days. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I forget how it works. Um, but, that's but, but yeah. it worked for them. You lied. I exaggerated. Hours instead of days. Now we have minutes instead of hours. And it's a cool little twist, and then they're back on the Enterprise, and then we get it's into good, the though, final it's exciting. It's like the whole Kirk and Spock had, what, had this situation in control the whole time. Yeah. Mm. You know, everyone thought it was desperate, everyone thought it, was, it, was all, it all failed. But Kirk and Spock actually... Well-oiled machine. There, they were they're on top of the game yeah. the whole time. And they they outsmarted. Can't they? They outsmarted the, the yeah. kind of super genius. Khan ain't so smart, is he really? <coughs> no, no. Is his, is, his, is his own best PR machine. But he's, they do they do yeah. make the point that he's he's human and he has an ego. And I, my I, my take on it is that he's like everything about him is enhanced, and so is his kind of sense <laughs> of ego, ego and, mm. and you know revenge. And he cannot he cannot resist going after Kirk. Mm. Can he? He's, he's also um, super distracted by his own rage. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's, uh, got, he's got he has a second in command as well, who is who is questioning his mm. orders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like those things. I like that there's someone saying. Why are we doing this? This is stupid. <laughs> like we've already won. Why are we following Kirk into the nebula? That's, that's madness. Um, and, and, you know, Carl's not having any of it, is mm. And then it's like, put the shields up. Oh, I can't. As, it's, as I feared, they won't work. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> yeah. If only, if only I warned you. <laughs> um, and then we get a, we get a pretty spectacular... Um, and a high tension mm. kind of third act, which is a which is a lengthy space battle in a in a nebula where well actually there's not there's not tons of action in this space battle. Most of the space battle is kind of is kind of waiting and tension and yeah. they can't they can't see each other. And but the whole movie the space battle is very slow moving, huge lumbering ships. There's no, there's no like fast-paced swooping and diving. This isn't like a starfighter battle or anything, is it? It's more like no. the old ancient warships, like Mary Rose, and that where you're strategically placing yourself so you can just fire the guns at the right mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. As opposed to Star Wars, and let's just shoot everywhere yeah. and hope hope one of them hits. It's one of the few yeah. battles where they actually just aren't on the same dimension. You've actually got like you're not just yeah. going straight across. You can yeah. go up and down as well because it's yes. space. <laughs> Yeah, and I th- I think it I think it looks fabulous. I think mm. I think the effects have aged well. Mm. The models are brilliant. Totally yeah. worth having an island do it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. And I just uh, I love the I love the effect shot where um, the um, the Reliant loses one of its warp nades out. Mm. Oh, so cool. What's well, something about it? When we just watched, I'm not think, I don't think we explained. We watched it through Will's um, projector. So when it projects onto the wall, you reckon the size relative to a screen is about 103 inches? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, watch well, this is the bragging section. <laughs> 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 We've just seen it so huge, but the model of work just shows up so yeah, well, yeah. despite yeah. the size and proximity that we were. 
Uh, even when we just had the menu on while we were mm. sort of getting the seats and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the model shots looked beautiful. Mm. Everyone was glued to the menu. We all sat there going, I never watched the menu so much. This is amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> that is good. And they, those, those effects do hold up well on the, on the big screen, mm. definitely. I think it's because the models though models don't date. So if you've got a good model yeah. and you've got a good quality filming of it, it will hold up to the test of time. Whereas early CG looks very early CG now. Whereas yeah. a model will just look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, and a, and a, a Blu-ray will just show up the detail on that model so much better. And then of course, yeah, we get the the the, um, uh, the Genesis design devices set off, and, and Spock has to sacrifice himself mm -hmm. to save the Enterprise. Which at the time of uh, time of filming, I guess you know audiences would have would have yeah. thought that's it. Spock's Spock's dead. He's he's left the franchise. Game over. Um, and. The, and the uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which do, which does have a spoiler in its title, mm -hmm. and not yet come about. So it's I, not necessarily. <laughs> sorry, it's not necessarily a spoiler because because no, you're saying I'm going to try and find him. It doesn't say they do find him. Yeah, but it, it is it is hugely telegraphed in the end of Khan that that's you know that's mm. not the end. He's not. Mm. You know, this there is possibility there. There are always possibilities, Spock said. And if Genesis is indeed life from death, I must return to this place again. Did they, did they have any certainty that they were going to get another movie? No. I mean, just having Rafa Khan was a massive shock. Apparently, mm. I just saw that despite the fact that um, Motion Picture was a critical failure, it was a moneymaker. Mm. So they then went and tried to make one as cheaply as they could to see if they could bring a little bit more money out of it. There was no no intent to make an ongoing series. They thought, let's just see if it's got. And it was huge. So, yeah. But um, the the telegraph points about that Jim raises weren't originally in it. Oh. The uh, the soft landing wasn't featured. The remember mind melt was not featured. And test audiences went out feeling a little bit bummed out at the whole thing. Um, they looked at the film and just mm. left it feeling a little bit gloomy. So, without Nick Mayer's permission or knowledge, um, Harp Bennett filmed these extra pickup bits and put them in. Uh, apparently, Mayer was furious about it because mm. he killed Spock and Spock was dead. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just to set this thing up and give that. And it, it completely changed. The next <coughs> set of test audiences went out feeling a lot more happier, more upbeat mm. because mm. the possibilities were there. Because I'm sure I've read somewhere that. Leonard Nimoy did actually say he didn't want to do any more after that film, so he wanted to be killed off. Yeah. But then, obviously, we know how well that went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way Nimoy tells it is after doing motion picture and various legal battles he had with Parrot and Rod and Reed, being pretty sour on it, uh, when they approached him about Star Trek Two, he said no, and then they kept saying. Please, please. Come on. Said, Come on, do it. Make it good. Make it something I really want to do. And so they went to him and said, how about a death scene? And that appealed to him. Um, that kind of got conflated, I think, later on, that he demanded to be killed off. So, but, I mean, I don't know, this is how he tells. He told it afterwards. So, but, uh, 
how did Shatner tell it? Shatner probably said it was his idea to stop get killed off. And uh, that idea made them so much money that Shatner saved Star Trek and um, Shatner was a hero. <laughs> I, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Keep jamming off Shatner, he'll not come on the podcast. <laughs> I know, I know, you're right, Rich, you're right. Well, he already is on the podcast, because if this was yeah. a video podcast, behind Will, he is actually standing there and looking <laughs> approving of what he we're is. saying. Yeah, we do. We have a cardboard cutout of William Shatner in the room, which I've had, I've had for quite a few mm-hmm. years. And uh, it's rare that he comes out, to be honest, because it's, it's not very often that, that he's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> where, is he not, where does he live he, he, he sort of folded up and get, goes uh, like under our bed right <laughs> he's a folded, bit just, folded into a box like Chekhov and Terrell yeah <laughs> very much like that yeah but yeah he's, he's happy to come out from time to time <laughs> he used to really I used to have him up all the time in our um, in our old house and mm. used to really alarm people as they you could see him through the front window he just looked like there was a man who just stood in our living room just staring at him Used to freak my parents out. <laughs> 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 like, uh, like in Home Alone, where he pretends, yeah. <laughs> where he pretends to be on a train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is like that. I thought we all looked familiar, and it makes sense now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so Wrath of Khan has about it has a fair few endings, doesn't it? <laughs> I think because we sort of get the. It's a really nice, really nice moment where, um, um, uh, where who is it? I think it's his son who asks Kirk, "How does he? How does he feel?" And at the end, he says, "I feel, I feel young." Mm-hmm. You okay, Jim? How do you feel? subtler things about the film this kind of this idea of Kirk facing his his aging and then and at the end of the film you know not not feeling like that's a, mm. that's a problem for him um, and I, I really like that and then we then we get the sort of the the uh, spot goes off in a torpedo down to the planet and that feels like that's the end. But then, even then, <laughs> there's a little bit with, with Spock doing a voiceover, and then that's the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really has ended. So, like, I think it's it's not quite as many endings as um, Return of the King. I think it's one ending short. <laughs> it's always there. But yeah, I, 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 I just think it's great. I think... Um, I think everything about it really, really works. Like all, all the overacting and the, uh, mm. the whole the story. The story is actually quite small. I mean, the the crux of the story is really a, a kind of a, a sort of a the personal relationship between Kirk and Khan. Mm. And they don't share. And they don't share any time on screen. They're no, all, no. That's so impressive, really, considering considering that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's. Um, it, it does feel like the the influence of Wrath of Khan has gone throughout the the Star Trek movies, and since since then, 
they they always felt like they needed a needed a villain, and we've kind of had we've kind of had like a single villain show mm. up in in movies time and again, like we see it in you know like like Nemesis is maybe the um, generations, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Insurrection to some to some extent as well. First contact, they had to embody the Borg into a queen. Yeah. So they had a singular. Yeah. Star Trek Three, you've got the the um, you've got um, Doc from Doc. Doc, you got Doc, bro. Number four, not so much, I guess. Mm. Well, you've got the whale hunters and that who have knocked out all the whales, and they do go up against them. Right at the end, so I suppose it. Yeah. Though oh, very, weird, very <laughs> loosely, but they're, 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 yeah. they are the enemy there as such. They don't get the opportunity to do any overacting. They <laughs> do some elaborate sort of quoting of classic literature. So it's not, Though the spear yeah. going into the cloaked bird of prey was quite, quite mm. entertaining. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, how did you? Uh, how do you guys feel on uh, on? on the rewatch Rafa Khan any, any new thoughts or it was good seeing it on a big screen because yeah. normally normally we, we watch on a 10 inch <coughs> tablet at home so that's our standard television size for watching so you obviously pick up a lot more of the details mm -hmm. on your setup so yeah, that so was good you appreciate much more the model work because you're never quite sure when you're watching it that small whether it looks good because you can't really see any detail anyway, so you just assume it does. But yeah, it definitely looks, all the model work looks fantastic. And I think the battle scenes and the nebula just look, yeah, they've really held up. I think because it's so simple and it is just ships moving very slowly. If it was a big space battle with lots of fast movement, it might not have held up as much, but I think it it definitely works. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, like a submarine. It's a submarine movie. Oh, yeah. it's a submarine movie. There's a lot of tension there, isn't there? Which one's going to find yeah. which one's going to find the other one first? Yeah. I always find it interesting that Roddenberry didn't care for this movie, and he found the depiction of Starfleet to be too military style. Um, but you know, when you then you look at something say like Balance of Terror, which is also like a real submarine movie, yeah, kind of similarity thing. Uh, yeah, Balance of Terror is maybe the um, I guess apart from from Space Seed. It's sort of the closest um, original series episode mm. to Wrath of Khan in a lot of ways. So <laughs> no, I was of what Jen said about the, the models and mm. the visual effects that were just, and especially because we were watching it on a big screen, they were, just, they were stunning. Yeah. Even as, yeah. you know, it isn't my favourite film, but I can appreciate that. that like, it was awesome. It's got yeah. a good, it's got good music. Although the music does sort of indicate mm. what's going to happen. Mm. Like, the, like mm. the sinister music, the sort of, the sort of mm. tense, tense music starts just before they get things get tense a bit, but I don't mind that. It's, it's still a great soundtrack, and yeah, um, I, um, yeah. I, I remember that. And it just it just it just has that feel of the of, of that era of, of Star Trek movies. But I mean, like you were saying, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You, you, it was only the second one, but it feels like it was made in an era when they were when they were making a lot of them. But, yeah. but clearly they weren't. But it, it seems to it just makes me hug. It just harks back to that. that that time period, I think it's a. It doesn't actually feel that feel that dated either, no, even no. though the effects are from a time. The models don't date, so it's. Mm. It kind of set a style, I think, that Star Trek upheld for a long time. So kind of like 
in terms of the phases, the torpedoes, and the model work. So I think it kind of it sets that tone that we've become familiar with, even through like to later times through Voyager and Enterprise. So it kind of like doesn't date because it's kind of where it all begins. It's almost the template. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't quite know what it is about the Wrath of Khan that, that keeps me coming back to it. And it's it's probably my most rewatched uh, of the Star Trek movies. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I think it's I think it's just that it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing. When it comes out, I just really enjoy it. It's maybe not in terms of in terms of that era of films and that crew. It's maybe not the best one in terms of all the crew getting bits of stuff to no. do. No. So no. Like Sulu and Uhura and Scotty don't get a whole no. bunch to do, do they? I guess you've got, you got Sardik, haven't you? So yeah, Sardik yeah. would be doing stuff that maybe... There's not a lot of, of um, interaction between the characters. Like mm. the, There's mm. not a lot, actually, between the, the, the three characters of Spock, Bones and Kirk. You mm. don't actually get a lot of that interaction. No. We um, we discussed when when we did, when we talked about Star Trek Five, that movie is the best example of them, the Trinity of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yeah, because that's uh, for all its flaws, has has a really really strong story through for them and their characters. But yeah, they they, they apart from that scene where they talk about Genesis, mm. um, and you get like a classic Spock and McCoy argument. I think that's kind of there's almost like. Almost in a way that's there to fulfil a certain. Well, we've got to have a Spock McCoy argument. Yes, they tick that box. Yes, yeah, yeah. So in a way. So it's not, it's not, it's not an argument between them that sort of lights the screen up in the way that some of the best ones have. Mm. I think. But yeah, I mean, it looks good too. I liked mm. the, um, I liked what they did with the, the engine room. It seems like they spent a bit of money on that set. With the, the there's like a, quite a silly sort of. Yeah, what's with the what? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the city the glass is, slip. Yeah, the glass slip. I'm going up now. Because there's still ladders, because Kirk kind of shimmies straight down the ladder. So there's yeah. like... There's just someone out of the way at yeah. the end. But also, I, I also, what's with the what's with the cardboard box with the with the thing of immense power inside it that, that Spock oh, yeah. has to, <laughs> has to mess with? <laughs> and then he puts the lid back on. Well, yeah, 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 that's a good point. What What is that? <laughs> Presumably that's the warp. <laughs> uh, it's not clear I mean it, it's a visual thing ultimately we need something for him to be working on and we need it to signify massive amounts of radiation kind of thing and it needs to be in an enclosed room so. but it did make me think of the set that they had for um, uh, Into Darkness I mean Into Darkness was of course that's where Khan, we see Khan in that movie too and it seems like because I mean um, in the original series, the engine room is—you don't really see the, the the gubbins, do you? You just you just see the room, and then the mm -hmm. the the warp drive is the, the warp core itself is like a is a, just an effect, like a, an image. I think they have. So, yeah. So it was good to have that. And I think that's that's something I can remember from that film is that they they spent some money on on sort of making engineering more like an engineering mm. department rather than just a bunch of guys wearing red shirts, which is fine yeah, in the yeah. original series, but it it felt like they mm. they put some attention into yeah. saying, well, well, let's try and make this ship feel like a like uh, a like a ship, like a, a ship, like a naval ship, like we were talking about before. Yeah. A lot, of, I mean, a lot of the stuff is recycled over from <clears> the motion picture. <throat> when they did make an effort to give you a definitive engine, 
kind of thing. So you got the big glowy warp core type thing. I think they interviewed reusing it for Voyager as well. But oh, uh, yeah, cool. the, I think there's a lot more of the way it's framed and the way they arrange the people and have everyone in their special suits and everything in this one. That, say the the naval feel is really strong in it. Uh, mm. Um, one thing that because before we um before we start watching it, uh, as we were discussing various things and Rob says he doesn't rate this one in as much as say Star Trek 6 which kind of to me it's like I think this and 6 are definitely in my top both in my top 3 because there's a lot of similarities um, they both they've got the most overactive villains for Star <laughs> yeah. um, they're both directed by Nick Mayer and they both have that military feel more than any other movie because he directs it to be in that kind of way so um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't really have a particular point or question. <laughs> <laughs> Noting that I, I really rate those two as very similar. I think with I think yeah. um, in Undiscovered Country that that works really well because in Star Trek in Search for Spock, his Kirk's son gets murdered by mm. by Klingons, doesn't he? And that mm. fuels his hatred that leads into Star Trek Six. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I those are two those two Undiscovered Country and Wrath of Khan are my two favourite Star Trek films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, they, they are quite similar. Shall we just, 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 just for fun, and because I arrived late this afternoon so I missed the conversation, shall we just go around and see what the top three film rankings of each of us are? Oh. No, see, now, I have to reveal once again that I don't have a, a top... I, I am not as au fait with Star Trek films as, as others. So, um... I don't have a top three. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry's removed herself. I removed myself from the room. I'm embarrassed to do so. I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. You don't have to. Not at all. You don't have to classify. I'd like to say that twice today. Well, I don't I know enough about them. Well, I think it's hard, it's hard to have a top three. It is three. Because I, I think, like, like you guys said, I think I could say... My number one is Rathacan, <coughs> number two, Star Trek Six, and Discover Country. And number three, I don't know, it depends what one I've watched last. <laughs> um, sometimes it's First Contact. Uh, sometimes I sometimes I get annoyed with First Contact just because I get into a, like, an over-nitpick on it. And then I'll lean more towards, um, I'd say, Star Trek Four, uh, which, is, which is a bit underrated, I think. And then... Then yeah, then I don't know. Though, but I really like Star Trek Beyond. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe put up put that right up there. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I yeah I don't know. My, but my top two is a firm Wrath of Khan and then two uh, is, is Star Trek Six mm. and the three. I don't know. Whatever I feel. Whatever I feel like. Yeah, I think for me, I would definitely say First Contact is my favourite. And then it gets to be a bit more of what mood I'm in. It's mm -hmm. either, yeah, Wrath of Khan, um, Voyage Home, uh, Underscore Country or Beyond. Um, mm. Depending on what I want to watch, what mood I'm in. Any of those could come in any order. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. top five with one definite and four, kind of, yeah, wherever. I'm not going to put them in an order, but ones which I can repeatedly watch is... And it's not one of the TNG most favoured ones, but actually I do like Insurrection, and I do accept that it's more of a bigger budget 
TV program mm. as opposed to a, necessarily a full-on film, but it just has a certain feel-good for me. I do really enjoy First Contact. I actually like the first Kelvin verse mm. movie, even though Beyond is good as well. So I'd kind of put those on a par. And then I do like some of the original series movies, but I've got to kind of be more in the mood for them. So I'd probably put Wrath of Khan into that sort of top of that second tier. So even though I was probably quite quiet earlier, I'm, <laughs> I may be similar to Rob than this, than I admitted to. Apologies, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Now it comes uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> drop Rob in it. He's like, Rick, guess what Rob said? <laughs> <laughs> Don't rate Wrath of Khan. <laughs> like, what? Well, yeah. no, I, I rate Wrath of but I prefer the other TNG and mm. the Kelvin ones first. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd. Underscore Country's number one for me, and then First Contact, and then it kind of, yeah, it changes. Yeah. Voyage Home. Um, insurrection, and then probably wrap up. I mean, it, we know when you, when you rank Star Trek, there's no wrong answers. No, I've heard somewhere. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say um, Wrath of Khan, Insurrection, and Beyond would be my top three. Mm. But again, it's changeable any any given day. So uh, yeah, I mean, I would say um, Undiscovered Country is my favourite, and Wrath of Khan is second, and then like everyone else has pretty much said. After that, depends depends mm. what 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 mood because there's been so many. It's mm. yes, it's, it's, it's and the things that might make you try and choose between them are so slight and you know mm. subjective. It's you know it depends how you feel. Is it sometimes you be in the mood yeah. for sometimes you're in the mood to watch a, a Calvin verse film. Other times you want to watch you know want to go back a bit and watch Insurrection or. Or a light, a light-hearted eighties comedy. I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of Generations. So Generations probably wouldn't ever get very high up in that list. I have to admit, that's probably my one of my least favourite. I agree with you on that one. <coughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I have two definite. I have a top two, and then everything else is kind of. Um, well, I think probably ultimately, if if you were to take it from the stance of I'm on a flight, and there's only one Star Trek movie on there, probably. Regardless of which one it is, we'd probably all, I'd imagine, still watch that on the flight. Oh, yeah. 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 What, what yeah. else is on the flight? <coughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah what yeah. are the films? <laughs> well, that would probably just totally destroy my public credibility, <laughs> so I'd move it. Very Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the thing about the Star Trek movies is that most of them are. I don't know. They're, they're all they're all great, but they're all they all have some flaws or, or some things to, to nitpick about mm. them. And they all have some, some brilliant moments that will sort of yeah. lift them above other things. And it's um, it's really hard to be sort of objective about something that you that you really care about and you get really excited yeah. about. And you when you've when you've watched movies so many times, you kind of just have to go with your feelings. What do you what do you feel like most watching? Um, I think. And yeah. and with Rafa Khan, you know that the flaws can be lifted up and a torpedo fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
<laughs> I'm receiving congratulations from Ian on that because it was an awesome thing. Yeah, it was a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> First time validation. <laughs> cool. Um, well, yeah, I think should we should we uh, should we call an end to this recording right here? Yes. Because I think this this feels like a good place to, to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you very much to our patrons yes. for, for joining us today yeah. and journeying all the way up to Nottingham um, to be with us. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you for having us. No problem at all. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in the future with more podcasts. We will. Um, we haven't quite decided what yet, but it'll be something. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be be Star Trek. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, I think Star Trek will be the main thing, won't it? Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> okay, well, thank you very much, everyone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Bye. 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 Thank you. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, Um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash lower decks radio if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through itunes stitcher google play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. Come!